What's up? Somebody wake me. Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderbergh. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're Q&A. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. My name is Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader. I'm here, as always, with my co-host and the founder of the Queued Up Podcast Agency, John Luckenbaugh. Good morning, John. Hey, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we are now entering part two of our Infinite Dial series. And here in part two, we are very proud to bring you a special guest. He is... I guess at this point now that's his second appearance, we can call him a friend of the podcast. It is Dr. John Sullivan, who is a professor at Muhlenberg College of Media and Communication. Hello, Dr. John. How are you? How you doing, Jay? Great to be back with you guys. I am pumped up. I'm fired up. And I guess I'm also queued up. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> mm, nice. I, I like it. I like it. As we've been talking about the infinite dial here, one quick note. Uh, that we want to sort of celebrate uh, March 24th, 2021 is the day Apple Podcasts surpassed 2 million podcasts in the app. That is an amazing feat. It took less than a year to double the size of the podcasts in the app. That's amazing to me. Dr. John, as a professor of media and a person that observes this, this phenomenon here, I mean, a lot of this has to be about COVID, right? Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. That a lot of this is, is COVID and a lot of people launching new podcasts. And what's interesting is that we didn't get as much more listening to podcasts, but a lot of people decided, I guess, in their year of quarantining that it was a great time for them to launch a podcast. But yeah, the rise is just spectacular, especially when you think about how long podcasting has been around. Right. So podcasting has been around for, you know, over 15 years and, and actually the 20 year anniversary of podcasting just happened a little while ago. And there was some social media traffic on that, some discussions about the origins of the medium and all that kind of great stuff. But yeah, the fact that in the past year, we've doubled the number of podcasts. I mean, that's huge meteoric growth in the last year that we didn't see for the first, you know, 14, 15 years of the medium. So do you think as things get back to a new normal, do you think uh, do you think we can continue to see that growth or is it going to kind of plateau a little bit? I don't know. I would expect it to at least initially plateau a little bit and we certainly continue to get some growth. I would be shocked if we saw, if we were here again next year, we can make an appointment on the calendar. If we're here this time next year and we've doubled the number of podcasts again, you can get me to whatever, eat my shoe or whatever, but I, I kind of don't. <laughs> I, I kind of don't think so. Uh, that would be enormously shocking to me. Will we see continued growth in podcasting? Absolutely. I don't think that's a question. But how much growth? I think this kind of spectacular growth that we've seen in the past year. I would be shocked if we saw that continue at the pace at which we're going. Right. I mean, not even double if, if we get another million in the next year, I wonder. Yeah, if we get another million, I, I could see that happening. But another two million in another year, whew, I, I would have a hard time uh, seeing that. It all depends on how you measure it, too, because one of the things that that measures, of course, is podcasts that are actively being added. 
And then, of course, there's a lot of podcasts that have not been updated, like two thirds of the podcasts haven't been updated in the last 90 days. Right. So if someone comes on and does a couple episodes of the podcast and then says, this is not for me, you know, that will still be added. They'll still be there. This will be added to the number. So that's why it, it all depends on, on how you, you count it. If we just take the number of actual updated content that whatever it is, uh, 37% of podcasts that are regularly being updated in the next 90 days. And mm-hmm. if we see the same growth in that, over the next uh, year, that will really kind of be an expansion of the space. That's really exciting. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, These stats from podcastindustryinsights.com presented by Daniel J. Lewis, 749,995 to be exact are active and active is defined as any podcast published at least one episode in the last 90 days. It's great that we added a million podcasts over the last year. However, many of those stayed active, clearly not all of them. So it would be great to add another million and maybe keep a million active, or more than a million active, a million more on top of the 749. That 90 days, that seems a little bit long to me. You know, if you haven't updated your podcast in 90 days, I'm sorry, I can't imagine that your listeners are still hanging around (laughs) subscribing to your podcast, waiting with bated breath for you to drop a new episode. (laughs) Right. After 90 days, people have moved on to other stuff. So I would be curious to know what that number is. I think 30 days is a probably a better number to use for to use the term active podcasts. I think 90 days is that's not a great uh, metric. So I can tell you, having been part of these conversations in the past, Daniel J. Lewis was being very generous with the 90 days. However, There are people that still think that his number is still too stringent when counting quote-unquote active podcasts. I'm in agreement with you whenever I am consulting with a new client who is looking to launch a new podcast, and they ask how often should they be releasing a podcast. If you're doing a podcast once a month, you're right on the cusp of being irrelevant to a person's life. And that goes back to the infinite dial stat that we mentioned in part one, the most important stat every podcaster needs to know is that the average podcast listener is consuming 5.1 shows and that's eight podcast episodes. So if you're only putting out one show a month, how are you fitting into that schedule? You actually might fit a little bit better with that sort of release, but if you're not part of a habit, if you're not in the habit of the listener, that's really what you want to get. You want them to be listening to your show like it's a habit. That's something they have to do every day, like brushing their teeth and waking up in the morning and making their coffee and eating. These are things that people just do without even thinking. You want them to listen to your podcast without even thinking about it. All right, let's get into social media and how to market your podcast. One of the things that uh, Edison Research has done with this infinite dial, Edison Research and Triton Digital, is really sort of break out everything about online media in these nice little compartments. And as they measure social media use, noting that TikTok usage surged here, particularly amongst 12 and 34-year-olds, 44% of 12 to 34-year-olds are using the service, and that is up from 25% last year. Uh, It's an increase of 76%. Now, Facebook is still king 
it is 61% versus Instagram's 43%, Pinterest's 31%, Snapchat's 28%, Twitter and TikTok come in at 23%. I think that's with amongst all people that are using social media. 12 to 34-year-olds are leaving Facebook and Snapchat for TikTok and Twitter. Stark difference between the behaviors of the youngins and the Gen Xers and the boomers. And I think this is important to note because when you are marketing your show, you want to know who your audience is, where they're listening, how you can get in touch with them, and make sure you're talking to them in the way that that platform presents. And obviously, talking to people on TikTok is a lot different than talking to people on Facebook. There's so many generational differences in how we use media, and certainly social media are no exception to that. But I think you're absolutely right. You got to know your content well enough and know a little bit about your audience to be able to know where to find them. And reaching out to your audience and asking them for feedback about where, where they are on social media is also not a bad thing. You know, I think that creates a kind of community around your content as well. If you've got a podcast about RVing, let's say, you may want to seriously consider focusing your efforts on Facebook because, you know, a lot of 55 plus people are on Facebook, right? Spoiler alert. That's probably why a lot of young people are getting off Facebook because their grandparents are on Facebook (laughs) and they don't want them seeing everything that they're doing on the social media. If you have an RV podcast and you know that appeals to retirees, yeah, maybe Facebook's your jam. You want to be on there. You want to be advertising on Facebook or you want to reach out to Facebook groups. But I think there's a lot to be said for these kind of new social media, some that are video intensive, some that aren't, but uh, Twitter and TikTok. TikTok is almost tailor-made, I think, for podcasting because it's short form. It's got video. You can quickly insert video. You can use a tool that I've used before called Headliner to create little snippets for your program, uh, little excerpts of your podcast, and then launch it on a platform like that. You can embed that in other forms of media. You can use it with Twitter. So you have a TikTok video with a quick 20-second snippet of audio, and then you also embed that into Twitter. And then you get kind of double the, double the muscle because people see you know TikTok links and they say, oh, I want to check that out. That's TikTok. I hear TikTok is cool. And uh, you check it out on Twitter. That could be a good use of your time as well. Now, TikTok doesn't have anything with any any like static imagers or anything like that it's all audio and video based correct yeah but you can create a little you know video like an audiogram and that's what headliner does actually you can create a little mp4 using your audio clip and it'll run a kind of video of some you know sound bars in the bottom or you could choose whatever that is and then you create a little video and that becomes kind of now that's certainly not what people are using tiktok for but there's you you certainly could use tiktok that way Right. Just to the fact that people aren't using it that way doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't use it that way. Well, my understanding, though, and again, this is about targeting your right audience and speaking to them the right way. On TikTok, they're not using a lot of images like you just mentioned. It's more people dancing, doing dances, being silly, things of this nature. I would say if you're going to promote yourself on that platform, you need to promote yourself in the way that people are consuming that particular media. That means putting yourself as the face of your podcast and doing something that appeals to what a TikToker is going to watch. Because if you just put up that image that you just mentioned with bars moving, I got to imagine people are swiping that thing 
as soon as they see it. They're going to look at it and be like, oh, this isn't something I want. Where's the funny dancing? Where's the guy falling over and getting his head knocked in? I wonder if you could use it for some like a, like a testimonial if you have a like, guest on or even promoing your next episode where, like you said, Jay, the, the host is actually on there speaking to the audience in those short 15 second clips. You know, the other thing I would probably suggest is as we're recording this on Zoom and we we have mentioned that we use Zoom simply so that we have the ability to see each other so that we can sort of give those visual cues as to when we're done speaking uh, so that we don't end up talking over each other as much as we would if we weren't looking at each other and just talking over some recording uh, with no visuals. But we could probably take some of these visuals and take part of these conversations and make that into a video as well. But uh, since he mentioned it, Dr. John, if you wouldn't mind doing a testimonial right now, that'd be great. We're going to put it on TikTok. Uh, peel to our, no, we're not. Excellent. Not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would say this too, as we try to blend some of these stats, the usage of podcasting and the listening of podcasting is definitely the growth is being seen in the younger and actually in the older generations. That medium the Gen Xers, my my people, we're not growing listening at all. As a matter of fact, we actually saw a, a little bit of a downturn, just one percentage point, but it, it was not growth. It was actually less listening in my category. I'm not too worried about that because my explanation for that is basically two words, homeschooling, right? Mm. Man, during last year, I don't know about you, but if you've got kids of any age, I don't care if they're in high school, junior high school, elementary school, but if they're home and they're doing homeschooling, if you're not the teacher, you're the teacher's assistant. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're there. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, that just, that's just cuts into your time, no matter any way you slice it. So I'm not that surprised. I'm surprised that it didn't drop as, you know, I think it went down one percentage point from last year's infinite dial. So that's, I think is pretty impressive that it didn't go down even further than that among Gen Xers. These are the people who are much more likely to have kids. And if the kids are at home doing homeschooling last year, that just sort of killed your time. But I am excited, uh, as you mentioned, that there's an explosion, uh, and I'll kind of use that term, but there's an explosion in younger people tuning into podcasting and older people finding podcasting as well. That means we're doing a good job of making podcasting easy and accessible for people. So if young people and old people can find a podcast and figure out a way to actually listen to it, think about 10 years ago, we were still explaining, here's what a podcast is. Here's how you go about getting it. Here's how you download it. Here are kind of a handful of apps that you need to use in order to get this. That seems to have been streamlined such that all you need to do now is say, hey, I have a podcast called X, get it wherever you get your podcasts. And suddenly that's enough for people to find it. So that's exciting. With the social media growth to now being 82% of the population, it seems like this is kind of like a mandatory space for podcasters to, to grow their audience. I definitely think that you're going to miss out on expanding your audience and expanding it easily. And a lot more people are kind of shifting to mobile. So it used to be that it was almost like an even split. The number of people who are maybe listening or downloading your content, let's say from your website or something like that, and versus mobile. And it's almost completely mobile now. So you know we're, we're a mobile media, but that's going to come with its own growing pains because that's going to put 
other companies and platforms much more in a central location. They'll be kind of much more the middleman between you and your audience. You know, one of the things that I noted here is that amongst all people that use social media, Facebook is still huge in terms of actual usage of the social media platform. And that's not just in older people, but also younger people are still using Facebook. I think it would be not in your best interest to stop using Facebook if you are a younger podcast that's looking to reach out to younger people. I still think that there is opportunity to reach your audience on Facebook. Don't just quit using Facebook because you're like, oh, well, TikTok saw this huge growth. TikTok usage, like I mentioned before, was only 44% of the 12 to 34-year-olds. There are still other social media platforms that are ranking much higher than TikTok, even amongst that age group. Yeah, just another caveat to the entire infinite dial, and it kind of goes without saying, that this is a look at the United States. This is U.S. audiences, right? This is not global audiences in any way, shape, or form. You know, just recognize that what we're seeing here is a snapshot of what it's like to be a podcast listener in the United States in the early months of 2021. So under the social media brand awareness, we see that Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all decreased in brand awareness. Why do you decrease in brand awareness? That seems like something that you would just keep increasing, right? Or why do you decrease? There has something to do with just the, an artifact of the actual research itself. So what Edison and Triton do every year is they do a nationwide survey. So they're calling people up over the telephone, asking them about their habits and social media. So when you're responding to a survey like that, and this is a pretty standard part of doing any kind of nationwide survey, what you get is essentially people's off-the-cuff responses. And what survey researchers call a kind of recency effect is something that you've done most recently you tend to remember that most uh, directly. So with off-the-cuff kind of stuff, social media brand usage and awareness, I almost think that there's very little difference between those in a survey itself. So yeah, they divided it out with brand usage and brand awareness. But when you're asked to recall, well, how many times did you use Facebook in the last week? Even if you sat down and actively thought about it for a good five, six minutes, it would be at best a shot in the dark from what you actually really did. So you're asking people to report on their behaviors and they may or may not be that accurate in reporting on those behaviors. What you're most likely getting is what's most top of mind at the moment, because of course there's pressure to respond immediately. And then you probably want to get through the survey and want to get to the end of it. So you're likely to want to answer much more quickly. That's survey research. You know, that's what you get when you do a survey. Interesting. There was a time when I worked at Blog Talk Radio, and I actually got the call from Edison Research, which I thought was very odd. I don't know how they ended up calling me or why they ended up calling me, but yeah, I had to take the I had to take the survey, and I said I'm going to skew your numbers big time because at that point I was listening to eight to ten different podcasts a day, and so when they were asking me how many podcasts I listened to, I was like, well, <laughs> I listened to a bunch. And then they asked me, you know, am I familiar? Have I used? And I was like, I, I can tell you I'm familiar with every single platform. And have <laughs> I used them? Of course I have. It was an interesting experience for me to be on the other end of that phone call. 
And they probably also, once they saw your data, you're such a huge outlier in all of the trends that they may have just thrown out your data and said, you know, you know what? Jay Soderberg is way out there and we're not going to include him in the, the general population because that's going to be a skew of all of, of all of this kind of data. So there is, there is strength in numbers in the sense that, you know, yeah, you're going to have some people who are way off the charts on either end. Some people would say, you know, what's a podcast? No, I've never listened to a podcast versus people like you, Jay, who are like, yeah, I listen to 18 podcasts. You know, I download them and I listen to them repeatedly all the time. But, you know, the rest of the population is kind of in the middle there. So there, you get a general overall sense about where people are in a survey. But like I said, you're going to get what people are responding to at the moment rather than some data that's more like that you might get from, let's say, Apple Podcasts that shows actual listening data of your episode or things you get from your internet service provider or your CDN or your platform or your uh, podcast hosting company. Those are stats about actual downloads and actual listens and those kinds of things. So that's not what we get here. This is what we get, what people report on what they're actually listening to and what they're doing. This stat was one that I found extremely fascinating and thought it might be an area that we could sort of dive into here too, because I know podcasters have been going down this road for a little bit of a time as well. One in five Americans, 12 plus, have now watched a live stream of a video game. That's just watched. That means 20% of Americans 12 plus have watched a live stream of a video game, which still fascinates me to this day when I watch my kids watching video games. 10% broadcast their own games. Now, I got to imagine that's COVID-related as well. But 12 to 34-year-olds are the biggest demo, and I don't think that's a surprise. The surprise to me is just how big that number actually is. I mean, one in five Americans have watched one, and one in 10 have broadcast their own video game. And I know podcasters are using platforms like Twitch to start recording their podcasts here as well. What do you think about that, doctor? I think that's really fascinating. I can't imagine that'll be much more than kind of a niche. But if, for example, like you've got a video game review podcast, then, you know, linking up with Twitch totally makes sense. You know, I could see some some definite cross promotion and merging stuff there. Would I, again, going back to my, you know, RVing life podcast, which is an actual podcast. If we go back to our RVing life, you know, I can't imagine that Twitch, it's going to be a waste of your time and effort to have something on Twitch. So as long as it's relevant to the subject matter, if you've got a video game podcast, or if or you're talking about anything like, let's say anime or, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, I can imagine it would be really kind of interesting to have that connect via Twitch. And because the connection with your audience is also immediate. And this has always been a part of podcasting. The community aspect of podcasting is something that that makes it is very unradio like. Right? Radio is a very one-way kind of thing. You listen to stuff, but you're totally anonymous to the broadcaster, you're totally anonymous to your radio station. You're just a person getting the getting the signal and playing it on your in your car or wherever. But with podcasting, the potential is for so much more interaction with your audience. And for that reason, I know a lot of podcasters that record their podcasts and stream it live 
on Facebook or through some other means while you're doing the recording, because then you can even kind of connect and riff off what people are saying in the chat. And it creates a kind of appointment viewing for your podcast too, because then you kind of create this little community around it and you start to see some of the same people show up in your chat windows and things like that. And you can say like, oh, look who's here. It's uh, John's back. And how's it going, John? And you know, even though John will be in the podcast, he can maybe respond in the chat and you can make a point of that. And that really cements a bond with the community. So what I like about what you're suggesting, Jay, is that like what Twitch does is has that same kind of, that's what's very compelling about Twitch is that it's not just that people are live streaming what they're doing, but it's seeing how other people are reacting to that in real time in the chat. And you can interact with both the person on the screen and the people in the chat. And that's what's so, I think, compelling and sticky about that. But as with everything, podcasters have been doing that for you know, long before Twitch ever came around. And I think that's that community aspect is exciting. And that's always been one of the most unique things about podcasting is the fact that we are able to build such a very large interactive audience without being live. This is pre-recorded material that people are interacting with and creating communities around. I'll point out my buddy Rob has a podcast who's got a very large active community of of people that love reality television. Again, his stuff, one, is longer. It's longer form. It's usually a two to three hour long podcast on any given particular topic. And two, it's all pre-recorded. He's not doing any, I mean, he does some things live now and he's had some some live videos that happen as he's recording, but most of the stuff is just pre-recorded and people are engaging with it. They're interacting with it. And he's made such a large community of reality TV fans that a lot of those fans have now become creators on his network, which, again, it's just a fascinating and unique thing that podcasting brings that no other media has done previous. And I think that's one of the things that radio doesn't really get about podcasting. Radio focuses on getting your best quality content. So I've been to podcasting conventions where people from mainstream commercial broadcast radio will say, well, let, let us show you how to make your best quality audio, right? We are, we are the kings of audio. We'll show you how best to, to make your best product. And that's what's going to succeed in the marketplace. But there are plenty of podcasters out there that just flip the switch on a mic, they talk, they put it out there, and they've got a very active community of listeners because it's the community, because they care about the community. They're interacting with the community. And it's that community stuff that radio companies don't get. They don't get that that community aspect of podcasting is so important and so vital. And that's really the lifeblood of podcasting. So yeah, can radio producers teach podcasters something about audio and how to make your best quality sound? Of course. But I think radio can learn a lot from podcasting about the importance of community, right? About how you connect with your listeners, engage with your listeners, and really celebrate your listeners in a way that draws them into your content, regardless of whether that's NPR quality sound or it's just your, you know, two people hanging out in a garage talking about reality TV, whatever that is. I think there's a lot, and you can see that in the infinite dial stats. You would expect that if radio is going to be come in and show podcasters how it's done, 
that these radio companies that are making big purchases in the podcasting space would be mopping the floor with everyone else financially wise, but they are, they're not even coming close. No, they're not. Hmm. Sirius XM just took a $1 billion write down on its purchase of Pandora, which it purchased in 2019, $1 billion to quote a film. They paid $3.5 billion and they just wrote down a billion of, of that cost. So they are losing money. Now, that's not to say that they're always going to be losing money, but they have kind of ridden in on a horse into town and expecting to be named sheriff. And it's not happening thus far. You know, the companies that are doing the best are the companies that are actually being much more responsive to not just podcasters uh, as producers, but to podcast audiences. You know what I'm talking about. There's a kind of swagger that you get from radio people that are, you know, and this is not everybody. I'm painting everybody with a pretty wide brush here. But there's a kind of swagger that radio comes in and says like, hey, you know, we've been doing this for over 100 years. Uh, You better listen to us if you know what's good for yourself because we know what audiences want. And the podcaster will say, well, I I know what my audiences want. And my audiences are the most important audiences to me, whatever those audiences are. And that's, that gets you back to community. Since you brought up the brand awareness, Dr. Sullivan, let's get into the online audio brand awareness, where we see on the Infinite Dial report with Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music being the, the leaders in brand awareness. What are your thoughts on Apple versus Spotify? So remember what I said earlier about, you know, surveys are all about what's top of mind. So it makes sense that people recognize some of these brands that have been around for a long time, Apple, Spotify. That doesn't necessarily mean they're using them the most. It just means that they actually, you know, they recall them when they're asked to recall them on a survey. Apple's been around the podcasting scene. It's really kind of created the, really the ecosystem and the environment for podcasting to thrive way back in 2005. But I'm starting to wonder if, if podcasting is kind of going to be leaving Apple behind in a way. If you look at where the growth is happening, all the growth is happening. I mean, those people who are listening to podcasts on an iPhone or an Apple device probably have started doing so already, right? They're probably already there. We may be approaching a ceiling for growth on iOS devices, but where we're only at a fraction of the audience growth is on Android-related devices. So you got to be on Android if you're going to you know, continue to grow your audience on your platform. And that's why Spotify and some of these other apps are, are really well-positioned to pick up on those audiences that are new to the medium. So people who are new to the medium are likely to find it through some other means. Like they went to Spotify to listen to an album And then they got interested in a podcast because it was there on the app as well. And maybe they're listening to that there. So I think Spotify is going to become that number one platform. It's on its way to to doing that. And you can see that within the last month, the the usage numbers with Spotify being 29% versus Apple's 12%. So you you can see that a lot more people are using Spotify more recently. Yeah, Spotify is way ahead in, in uh, people saying that they listened on, on the platform itself. So that's where a lot of the growth is. 
if you're Apple, you know, Apple Music, I mean, they kind of bended and they, they made an Apple Music app for Android. If they were going to make an Apple Podcasts app for Android, they probably should have done that around four to five years ago. I don't know that that's going to be, I'm going to have the same kind of effect now because they don't have the kind of, I mean, people on, uh, who are using Android devices, and I will say like a lot of young people, of course, have Android devices. A lot of times they're a lot cheaper than iPhones. So you see a lot of, uh, and particularly in um, other countries, developing countries, I mean, Android is the number one platform on the mobile platform on the planet, you know, period. It's not even close. So if you're looking at that growth, you're looking at Android. Apple's not making any money off of podcasting. So it's not in their interest to create an Apple podcast app for Android because it doesn't do anything for them other than become an expense. Uh, Now, maybe as an expense, it could be a better write-off for them. Who knows? If Apple's looking to stay as a kind of hardware only company but everything that i see seems to suggest that apple is beginning to become a content company as well so now they've got apple tv with their own original content now they are changing the terminology for subscribing on apple podcast to a following which should pave the way for subscribing to be an actual monetary you know you could you kind of there's, there's a transaction that happens so you can subscribe to a podcast. And I have to believe like Spotify and others that they will eventually have content that is exclusive to their platform, just like Joe Rogan is a Spotify exclusive. I'm sure there's going to be some people who are an Apple podcast exclusive. But in order for that to work, you've got to have people who can access your content on multiple mobile platforms, right? And no one's going to buy an iPhone in order to be able to download a specific podcast on Apple Podcasts, right? Well, see, I would love to see the study on how people associate the term podcast to a brand. Because as we know, most podcast listening is done through the Apple Podcast app currently. It's at like 60-something percent. And yes, there's great growth in some of these others, but Spotify is the clear number two, but it's at like 20-something percent of overall podcast listening usage. I think if you were to put an Apple podcast app on an Android device, people would be like, oh, now I can finally listen to a podcast because podcasts are things that I find on Apple. Sort of the same way as people go, well, I listen to a podcast on YouTube. That's not a technical podcast, but people still associate that as a podcast because Joe Rogan was doing his video show and kept calling it the Joe Rogan podcast. So people thought they were listening to a podcast, even though technically they were not. Uh, I think the same thing could be here. I think there might be a brand awareness that is actually hurting podcasting right now because people think the only way I can listen to a podcast is on app. Google for the long time has been really doing a lot of things behind the scenes to get itself up on podcasting. As the, the company that basically develops the number one mobile platform in the world, you would expect them to have some major built-in advantages. But Google continually shoots themselves in the foot. Google Play Music was my go-to app for music. And when they added podcasts to it, I was like, this is great. I never have to go anywhere else, right? I never have to do anything else. I've got this great orange app that I can use, remembered where I was on a desktop. It was awesome. It was the greatest thing. And what did Google do? They basically killed it because they created this kind of 
UI monstrosity called YouTube Music, which uh, is where they're kind of putting a lot of their stuff. Now, they did spin off the Google Podcasts app, but they had tens of millions of users in this Google Play app. And then basically then just fragmented all those users into different apps. So if you're looking to build audience, that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. So I think Google Podcasts will eventually catch up, but it kind of got hampered by the fact that they basically dismantled their music app. They looked at what Spotify was doing and they said, nah, we don't want to do that. We want to do what Apple is doing and have like a separate music app and then a separate podcast app. When in reality, they wanted to keep doing what they were doing. Spotify had, that had the music and the podcast app in the same app where you don't have to change apps. That's what audiences wanted. And they kind of just gave that up. I never understood that with, with Apple even splitting off into the, to the books and the TV and the, the music and podcast, why they couldn't just keep everything in, under one umbrella. Yeah, you're splitting your audiences into smaller and smaller pieces. That kind of argument doesn't make sense. I think that's going to become clearer and clearer the more uh, audiences kind of drift to Spotify. It's simple. It's like a one-click kind of solution. You can find stuff there. Spotify kind of makes it easy for you. Google makes things hard for you. I don't know why. I wonder if it's more on the back end of things. Is it easier to track numbers and analytics by breaking them into individual apps? That's a future queued up podcast episode, right? You guys get people <laughs> on here from Google and just be like, what the heck were you thinking? Do you need to have your head examined? What is wrong with you? That should be the title of this episode. What is wrong with you? And it's all about Google podcasts. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we'd make a lot of friends that way, but we could, we could consider it. Dr. John, you had some interesting insights on car usage. Now, one of the things that the Infinite Dial noted was that uh, people haven't been riding in cars over the past year due to COVID. It was down from 87% down to 83%. What were your thoughts here on car usage and listening to podcasts in a car? Yeah, I think this is another area for, for growth. And I think that just got probably delayed for a year because of the pandemic. We're likely to see a lot more growth in car usage. And I'm kind of waiting for, I mean, a lot of people were hyping up smart speakers so smart speakers are so fascinating because it was this case study of like, smart speakers are going to revolutionize podcasting. And then about six months later, I was like, ah, you know, no one's talking about smart speakers anywhere. That was supposed to revolutionize podcasting and that's not really doing it. But the truth is probably somewhere in between. Technology always is a kind of, you get like the hype and then something doesn't live up to the hype. And then you kind of dial it back. Then you get like the anti-hype, right? That, oh, smart speakers, you know, no one cares about smart speakers. And then the reality is all that time that then the anti-hype has come in, that kind of usage of that technology has kind of grown steadily. So it wasn't the be-all end-all, but it also wasn't something to throw away as well. Once smart speakers become essentially integrated into your car, which is starting to happen on some car systems, where you can ask Alexa, for example, to play a podcast while you're driving, that would seem to me to be the end goal of smart speaker use. So I can imagine smart speakers becoming standard on every car. And once that happens, I think podcasting in-car listening will really go crazy because I don't know about you, but if I'm driving my car and I haven't set up a podcast to start playing beforehand, there's no way I'm going to do that safely while I'm 
driving my car, right? And I can't bring up my podcast. And oftentimes the assistants, Siri and Google Assistant and all that kind of stuff are not necessarily great at trying to find a particular podcast. But if you're able to do that through like kind of smart speakers technology through your car, that could really open up the open up the gates for that. And I think that's the saving grace of a company like uh, SiriusXM because Stitcher is kind of already there. It's already built into a lot of cars and that could really help them. But you kind of need a way of interacting with it. And that's where the voice assistant technology kind of comes in. So if you marry up voice assistant technology with in-car listening, I think you're going to see a lot more podcast in-car listening. I wonder if that's going to take away from the audience of the AM FM radio, or do you think that's going to be solid throughout and that audience would come from the digital music, the CD player, that audience? I have to believe it's going to come from AM FM to some degree. But yeah, I was shocked in the infinite dial when you saw the number of people who reported that they listened to a CD in their car. Holy cow. (laughs) I cannot remember the last time I... (laughs) How old was I? I was made, you know, whatever. It was 10 years ago that I actually like put a physical CD into my car, even though, of course, my, you know, all cars have these CD players. I can't remember the last time I put an actual physical CD into a car, but apparently, according to the infrared dial, people just did that yesterday. That was a surprising uh, result. But I think the more and more car systems come with this kind of Alexa or a Google Assistant or even Siri or whatever thing built into it so that you can direct your car to play internet audio with just your voice, that I think is going to overcome that sort of last mile problem because it's, it's easy to do radio in the car. You know, you turn it on, you may have some preset buttons and you pick a button, but imagine if you had a preset button on your steering wheel that was the queued up podcast. And you could just, instead of dialing up an FM radio station, it would immediately start playing the latest episode of this podcast when you pushed one on the dial. That would be transformative. That'd be great. I mean, if everyone put queued up podcast on podcasting as number one on their dial, first of all, I would kiss you square on the mouth. That would be amazing. Uh, and I totally agree with you on on that thought. That, not, that wasn't even a thought that I was thinking of. I, I was just thinking of, hey, if I could hit number one and it brings me to Apple Podcasts, but hit number one and bring me specifically to my favorite podcast, that would be really phenomenal. That'd be really cool. Yeah. And the hope is that your car would be, you know, satellite enabled or you'd have data to the car. So if it didn't have it already downloaded, it could immediately start downloading it, do a progressive download, whatever. In other words, the playback would be almost immediate. And that would be, you know, the same as dialing in a station. Well, we're basically now talking about self-driving cars and the government taking over your vehicle. And I'm sorry. That's a conspiracy theory podcast. That's not this show. You can program a self-driving car, but you, you can't get a, an in-car stereo to play the podcast you want when you want it. Come on. Like that's, we have the technology to do that already. We have the technology. We can build it. We obviously can talk to you for hours, but there is one more topic that we want to talk to you about today. And that is about the subject of diversity in podcasting. And we learned from the infinite dial and there was another research study done by the by the Nielsen company about how podcast listening is now more diverse than the US population. Why would podcast listeners be more diverse than the actual population? I'm so excited that first of all that young people are turning to podcasting. So the 25 to 54 year old age group 
has dramatically increased their podcast listening according to Infinite Dial. And then that podcast audiences are more diverse in general than the U.S. population. And I mentioned those two things in one breath because I think they're very closely related. So young people are more diverse in the U.S. It's just a kind of demographic reality. The U.S. as a country is becoming more diverse, and there's a generational shift there as well. So that means that there's a lot of people getting interested in podcasts, bringing in a lot of listeners to the space who maybe are not finding what they want, are not hearing the voices that they would like to hear or the kinds of stories or narratives that they'd like to hear in our mainstream media. And here I'm talking about radio, television, etc. So podcasting, because of the medium that it is, where it's super niche, where there are, it's super engaging, there's lots of community. Uh, I think it's ideal medium to kind of expand the uh, diversity of the audience. So I'm really excited to see this. It will only get more diverse as we go along. I'm excited about this growth of listening as well. However, I would love to see more research into how diverse like the top podcasts are. I, I think, you know, if we use Joe Rogan as sort of our set standard, there's going to be holdover there in terms of the core of the podcast audience uh, was, has always been overwhelmingly white, but that you can say that about mainstream media as well. You can say that about broadcast radio. You can say that about, right? There is a generational change here. What I'm happy about is that podcasting is reflecting this shift rather than being left behind by this shift. So I think that bodes well for the future of the medium. And I think it's one of the things that, let's say, broadcast radio was looking at and wanting to recapture some, some youth in their audience. And podcasting is the way to do that. And I think maybe that has to do in part with content. And also it has a part to do with the delivery. So in other countries, when mobile phones were kind of being launched in the latter half of the uh, 2000s, 2008, 2009, 2010. I don't know if you remember this, uh, Jay and John, but a lot of the phones that launched came with FM radios built into the phones themselves. So you could actually listen to FM radio. And other countries did this a lot. And that it was part, so you were carrying around with you, not just your mobile phone to be able to make phone calls, but you basically had an FM radio in your pocket. Yeah. And... That was kind of radio's golden opportunity to kind of really invest in mobile phone technologies to make sure that every single mobile phone that got manufactured, can you imagine if every iPhone that was produced had an FM radio in it? You'd just, you'd have a whole more universe of listeners. But that was, I think, kind of a missed opportunity for radio. And now you get listeners who are, uh, what appeals to them is basically on-demand audio. And radio, in a way, is on-demand audio, but it's not you know, the content you want when you want it. No. Now we've got a whole new generation of listeners who have cut their teeth in media on media that is on-demand all the time. YouTube, it's on-demand. You pick the content, you decide when you want to stream it. Whether it's uh, Spotify, you, you, know, you pick it, you stream it whenever you want. If you're not getting what you want, you can skip and you can go to the next thing. If it's Netflix, you decide what you want to watch, when you want to watch it. Radio by its design is not really built for that. But man, yeah, FM uh, radios in mobile phones, that, that was a huge missed opportunity, I think. Yeah, I mean, to me, I don't know why radio hasn't figured this out yet. I mean, I got it the day I was introduced to podcasting. It was like, 
Oh, light bulb. I don't have to have my chocolate and peanut butter together. Yeah, they're great together, but I can have them separate too, which is another great aspect. Uh, anyway, uh, Dr. John Sullivan, professor of media and communication at Muhlenberg College. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Infinite Dial series. Your insights are always welcome, and we'd uh, love to have you again. Great. Thanks so much, uh, John and Jay. Keep up the great work, and I'll continue to be a, a loyal listener. You guys are one of my eight podcasts that I listen nice. to. So whatever that number is, I've never been called for, for the Infinite Dial, but you guys are definitely one of my regular podcasts. So congratulations, and keep up the great work. Thank you. So another big thank you to Dr. John Sullivan. John, some really good insights there. And hopefully podcasters will be able to take all that insights and now apply that to their own social media marketing. It was great. He came with a lot of useful information, you know, with, with social media and platforms and even going into the online audio and in-car consumption. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, one thing we forgot was to ask Dr. John how uh, people can get in touch with him, but we'll make sure that his contact information is in our show notes, uh, which you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're following so you never miss an episode. But John, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? You can reach us through our website, which is queuedup.com, qd-up.com, through email, which is info at queuedup.com. Or you can reach out to us on any of the social media channels. And if you are one of those major media corporations looking for a consultant who can help you with your podcasting, help increase your monetization, as I mentioned, that consultant is found everywhere. Very easy to find. Uh, at the Real Pod Vader on Twitter, the DMs are open, so you can talk to me there. You can send me an email, nextfanup at gmail.com. Uh, yes, that is the email address for my little NFL podcast, but it is the best way to reach me via email or find me on LinkedIn. Again, I'm Podvader on LinkedIn as well. Podvader is everywhere, just like Savoir Fair. <laughs> and, and the millennials will have to look that up. But uh, frankly, that's uh, a great cartoon from the past. That will do it for part two of our Infinite Dial series. John, I do believe we have one more uh, as our Infinite Dial series continues, and we will have yet another special guest. Would you mind telling the audience who that will be? Absolutely. Next week, we will have Jason Fields from Voiceify on the podcast, and we will be diving into the smart speaker and voice assistant numbers provided by the Infinite Dial. That sounds awesome. By the way, do we only know Jason's and John's? Is that the key to being a guest? <laughs> On this show, I just just had to ask that question. Uh, for John, I'm Jay. Uh, I guess next week I'll be really Pod Vader. <laughs> this has been the queued up podcast on podcasting. There you have. It.